Welcome to this edition of the Morrinsville Baptist Podcast. Uh, It's great to have you listening in and we hope that this message comes as a great encouragement and blessing to you. Uh, If you'd like to know any more information about Morrinsville Baptist Church, please check out our website at www.morrinsvillebaptist.com. Morena, Morrinsville Baptist Church. Uh, My name is Richard Burt. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. It's great to be with you again. I hope you've had a good week and I hope you've been able to have a chance just to reflect on on, uh, what we shared last week about that divine revelation that uh, Peter had of Jesus' identity, of the uh, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that means he's alive today and that's good news for us. And uh, Jesus is going to expand on that today in an incredible way. Uh, We're going to look at Matthew 17 and first nine verses and I'll tell you of this uh, this is one of the most incredible passages in the entire Bible, so I hope you're looking forward to it and enjoying it as, as I certainly am. Just to briefly recap, I look at last week too, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew we, since last February. We've been looking at the themes of the life of, of lifestyle of the kingdom, the mission of the kingdom, the growth of the kingdom, and then there's a pause before Jesus starts talking about the community of the kingdom. He has time with his disciples to help them to grow and learn. And so it's very one-on-one and as a group. So it's really precious. And we're in this phase now. And uh, we're disciples too. And it's an opportunity for us to learn more about Jesus. So let's pray as we, um, as we start. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, we thank you that it's living and active. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who indeed enables it to be that. And Lord, we uh, invite your spirit now into each of our homes and where we are right now, Father, in the church building. Lord, we pray that your spirit would minister to us, open our eyes and our hearts, that we may see you in a fresher and a deeper way. And Lord, that uh, the amazement of who Jesus is would strike fresh wonder in us today and would inspire us to continue that journey of, of faith and into the transformation to the likeness of Jesus, that we bear witness to him, that when people see us, they will see Jesus, not because of anything we are, but because of your spirit working in us. And so we thank you for the power of the gospel. So be with us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. As I said, uh, Jesus has been preparing his disciples for for life after his mission. Um, And that was the real focus of last week. Peter's confession, Jesus, the Messiah, Son of the living God, has immense implications. And so it's important we get to know the truth. And uh, the disciples would, through uh, the various revelation, through the cross, the resurrection, uh, Pentecost, and here, the transfiguration. This week, um, we're going up a mountain. Most likely it's Mount Hermon. Um, which is close to Caesarea Philippi. And you'll see here a slide of Caesarea Philippi. It was a fantastic place to go to. But it's the the village or town that's most like some of the towns in Turkey or Europe that the disciples went across. Full of pagan gods and pagan worship, uh, idolatry going on. But um, as Jesus uh, uh, reveals his identity to his disciples, he's going to help to equip them as they go through these towns uh, to be confident in their identity of who Jesus is. And uh, they would be rejected and um, for some of that because it would appear that they were actually turning against some of the gods uh, of these towns. And so the followers would suffer for that. And so it was important, therefore, to, to be confident in, in, in who Jesus is. So it would be a sad discovery to endure some trouble 
and suffering and discover that Jesus' identity as Messiah was simply a fake, a fake story. But that wouldn't be as terrible as if the reverse were true and that you didn't believe that Jesus is indeed the Son of the living God. And so let's pick up the story just at the end of chapter 16. It says in the last verse, Truly I tell you, some of you standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And that will be fulfilled for some of the disciples in less than a week. Because let's just pick up chapter 17 and uh, what it says. So this is six days later. Jesus took with him Peter, James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son in whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Powerful words from, the, from God the Father. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Well, the most likely scene of this mountain here, close to Caesarea Philippi, is Mount Hermon, a means sacred one. And so this is where most people would believe is the likely uh, scene of, of this transfiguration. Pretty cold up there, you get skiing in wintertime, pretty amazing. You'd never think you could ski in the Middle East, but you can. And as I said, this is one of the most amazing passages in the Bible. Where do we get that from? From verse 2, it says, Jesus was transformed. And the Greek word is translated from metamorphosis, like a, a caterpillar metamorphosizing into a butterfly. However, Jesus' metamorphosis on this occasion is temporary. It is from human to divine. But his divine nature is not new. His nature is the same as the Father. His divine nature is eternal. His radiance is what illuminates the new heavens and the earth, which describes God's light as replacing the sun in the book of Revelation. The encounter removes the veil and shows Jesus with the glory he had before becoming God incarnate. In addition, Moses and Elijah, two of the most famous prophets in Israel's history, appear with Jesus. They represent the law and the prophets. But both had mountaintop encounters with, with God. Both had to deal with people who were, who were rebellious towards God and his servants. And in essence, that's what Jesus and his disciples are experiencing at this time. Moses and Elijah here make a glorious appearance, but nothing compared with Jesus who is elevated among them. What were they talking about? Well, actually, Luke gives us some insight on that with his comment where he highlights the conversation 
uh, between Moses and Elijah uh, and Jesus. So they speak about his departure. Interestingly, the same Greek word for departure is the word we get exodus from, exodus. God brought deliverance to Israel through the exodus or departure from Egypt. Likewise, Jesus' exodus from Jerusalem would result in people being set free from their sins. Salvation. But this would be on a worldwide scale, worldwide scale. not just one nation, but the nations. This illuminates Jesus' previous conversation that he had to die and be raised on the third day because of who he is and his exit. While we don't have time to explore that now, Peter offered to put up three shelters for them up in the mountains. It's pretty cold up there from that photo, as you'll see. Peter likely saw in this event the fulfillment of the Jewish festival of tabernacles, Feast of Tabernacles, which looked uh, two ways. It looked backwards to the wanderings in the wilderness for 40 years of the Israelites when God looked after them, and forward to the future enjoyment of God's blessings in their fullness when he would gather his people. Peter was, was correct in his understanding that, of what was taking place. He saw in that brief moment the king who has a kingdom, kingdom of God, but he was wrong in his timing. And we read in these verses that God appears in a bright cloud and it says, I am well pleased with my son, listen to him. Pretty amazing. Moses would have been familiar with that experience. Elijah too, hearing the, the, the whisper of God's voice on the mountain. What are we to make of this? Well, when the Apostle John, who is a disciple here, wrote his gospel, one of the things he says in, 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 in chapter 1, verse 14, is the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word for dwelling among us is the same word as shelter. God put on a tent and dwelt with his people through Jesus. And John points to the transfiguration as the moment Jesus' divine nature in all its glory was briefly revealed to them at the time of writing his gospel. One of Peter's last exhortations before he dies in his second letter he doesn't refer back to the cross or Jesus' resurrection, but one of his last dying thoughts is of the transfiguration. And this is what Peter says. We did not clever, uh, follow cleverly uh, divided stories when we uh, told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came down from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. That's uh, 1 Peter, uh, sorry, 2 Peter 1, uh, 16 to 18. John and Peter both reflect on this incredible event. While they saw Jesus' resurrected body, this was a glimpse of his divine majesty that was only again revealed after his ascension back into heaven. So what did all this mean for the disciples? 
or they had to process some immense events. A glorified Jesus, a crucified Jesus, a risen Jesus, an ascended Jesus, and Pentecost was the pouring out of the Spirit. Peter had the revelation that Jesus was the Messiah in chapter 16. Now Peter, James and John witnessed God the Father speaking on the mountain, hidden by a cloud, as Moses experienced, and saying, This is my son, I'm whom I love. I'm pleased with him. Listen to him. Jesus, the Son of God, didn't fit into any other philosophical, religious or theological categories of their time. This truth required them to change in ways that would affect everything. Their thoughts, activities, behaviour, ambitions. But did they get it? Yes. But that shift in worldview came slowly. They listened to the voice of God. The good news Jesus brought changed them radically. They did not become immediately perfect. But the gospel began to change their lives. Jesus' deity, the Father's affirmation, the Holy Spirit's enabling demonstrated that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Fear changed courage and they went global with the good news. John was transformed from wanting to bring fire down on a Samaritan village um, who rejected Jesus to proclaiming God is love and reflected that in his letters. You see a, a slide there, um, and it shows here, it's just, um, I, I found this, and it's quite helpful, it shows Peter's mountaintop and valley moments, his great moments and his, his bad moments. Peter went from brave but foolish to confident, from having a big foot and a big mouth to having a big tender heart, from being inconsistent to being a consistent follower of Jesus as he matured over a lifetime. Paul's slow, Peter's slow transformation gives us hope. He went from walking on water to sinking, from a rock to a stumbling block, from profession of who Jesus is to denial, and yet God walked with him. And if you read the letters of Peter, what a wonderful transformation. You know, with Paul on his Damascus road, now Paul saw the glorified Jesus, and he would spend a number of years processing that before he went on his first missionary journey. It may have been um, between seven and ten years before Paul went off, because he had to fully understand what that meant. And that's the same for us too. But despite revealing his deity, Jesus remained rabbi, master, and teacher to his disciples. They had known him, and he would lay his life uh, down for them and for us. What an amazing God he truly is. He was glorified and yet he walked with his disciples. And Peter declared that Jesus' divine power had changed him over a lifetime. That's in Second Peter, the beginning of chapter 1-2. So I encourage you to read that, that divine power working in those who believe. And so the transfigur transfiguration revealed Jesus as God incarnate. God who became flesh. And I said that truth demands a radical change, not just for the disciples, but for us in our own worldviews, a new reality which had been concealed until Jesus' earthly ministry. And so this means much to us, just as it did to the disciples. 
the reality of the God-man, Jesus, means all the ideologies of the world need to be examined in the light of this truth. If Jesus is the Son of God, it means there cannot be religious pluralism that says all ways to God are equally valid. It means you cannot have a scientific materialism that solely accounts for the origins of life without God or philosophies that explain reality apart from Jesus. If we accept this truth, it means our daily, daily priorities and values need evaluating in the light of Jesus Christ, Saviour and Lord God. That was the command of God the Father on that mountain. Listen to him. Everything we are ought to be interacted and impacted by the centrality of Jesus in our lives. So in the light of the transfiguration, Jesus' challenge is, are you willing to prioritize me over all your other priorities? Family, work, housing, leisure, finances, and so forth. To do so is to take up your cross and be his disciple. And this is not your pastor speaking. This is Jesus speaking. Let's ponder on that for a moment. In the light of the transfiguration, we recall Jesus' words from last week. Matthew 16, 25, 26. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You cannot buy your salvation. Like the disciples, um, I and you need to process that the truth that Jesus is both human and the glorified Son of the living God needs to change our lives and lead our lives. Which words do you hear? In that passage, the consequence of denying self, does that echo in you? Which is temporary. Or finding life that is eternal, do they echo in your heart? Peter learned to hear the latter, having started hearing the former. So I encourage you, spend some time now going and going forward. I'd encourage you to meditate on the transfiguration. It will help to enlarge a glorified but personal Jesus in your life. Because that's what we need. The bigger Jesus is in our lives, the smaller our problems and challenges we face. And he wants to be in our lives. That's the incredible wonder of our God. He wants to. The question is, will you let him? Will you surrender? That's a lifelong challenge. And so as we finish, some questions to chat in your group now. Pray and encourage one another. How do we listen to God? Three questions might help you. And hopefully they'll come up on the screen. Have you genuinely surrendered your life to God? He will transform your mind. Just read Romans 12, 1 to 2. Secondly, have you yielded to the guidance of the Holy Spirit? The spirit of holiness will change us unto his likeness from glory to glory. That's what the spirit of holiness does. That's his job. You find that 1 Corinthians 3.18. And thirdly,
Have you let the word of God dwell richly in your heart? As you believe the word of truth, it again, it sanctifies you. As we hear it, digest it and obey it. You'll find that in John, in John 17, 17, Colossians 3, 16. And so I'll just um, pick up on some final words of Jesus, just to encourage him that. Again, from 1 Peter, uh, chapter 1, 22, 23. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Of God. Powerful words from a man who speaks from experience. So in closing, the glory of submitting and listening to God means to reject the world's philosophy, to save yourself, but rather to deny yourself and take up your cross. For suffering will lead to glory and the cross leads to the crown of life. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. But they are good all the time. And I've just put up on here now as we finish some group questions that you might also want us to explore now or, or later on during the week or during the week at your home groups. One, how does the transfiguration impact your understanding of salvation? Knowing that Jesus is God in a glorified sense and, and, and understanding that, that power. How does it affect your worldview of God, our, our origins, reality? Is Christianity comparable with uh, or compatible with other religions? Explain your views to one another. How does loving God, loving others and making disciples fit into your daily priorities of life? Have a good discussion about that. If there's something to change, change. Hey, but we're all on the same journey. We all need to, to learn. And then perhaps finally, he said, you don't need to do all of these, but maybe one or two, or if you have time to do them all, then do so. But the final one, in what ways have you grown spiritually over the past 12 months? We're all called to be growing, whether it's small steps or large steps. What area or areas would you like to grow spiritually um, and to mature in over the next 12 months? Perhaps share them and ask others to pray uh, that God would help you. And perhaps talk about them uh, when you meet some milestones and seeing that to encourage one another. And remember, God is with us. And Jesus said, I will be with you to the very end of this age. Our Lord God, our Saviour, glorified Jesus, Son of the living God. How precious that news is. May you have a blessed week. Let's finish in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for the truth of who you are. We thank you for the gospel, which is the power of salvation to all who believe. Father, the, the power is in the message. And Lord, we're, we're called to represent and, and uh, uh, that message. And I pray you'd help us to, to do well at that. But we know the power is in the message, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I pray, Lord, for boldness and courage, that we would have confidence to share that message. And Lord, just as you changed Peter, John, and all the disciples, we know that power is available to us today. And Father, we ask that you will continue to change us and shape us into the likeness of your Son, that we may glorify you, that we would encourage one another and build one another, one another up, 
And Lord, that we would bear witness to the world who desperately needs uh, a saviour. We thank you that Jesus is our living hope. And so we commit this time to you in his mighty and precious name. Amen. Pray you have a great week and I look forward to catching up up with you again soon. If you've got any questions or any concerns, please come and talk to us at the office or just talk to your small group leader or ministry leader. But if you're concerned about anything, please come and talk to us. It's really important and uh, that we do that to encourage people one other up. Have a great week. God bless and shalom.